Welcome everybody. I hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, and staying home. A little bit later, we'll meet TV host, author, designer, olive oil farmer, and one of my favorite guests, that's Debbie Travis, from her home in London, where she describes what's happening in her neighborhood, why she left her retreat in Tuscany when the pandemic started, and why this may be the perfect time to reinvent your life. First up, though, Gordon Depp, lead singer, guitarist, and songwriter for The Spoons. The band's new album, New Day, New World, was released just before the lockdown, but that hasn't stopped Depp and the band from finding new and interesting ways to get their music out there. The writer of big hits like Romantic Traffic, Nova Heart, Old Emotions, and Tell No Lies joins me via Zoom to talk about what should have been a celebratory summer season for the Spoons, who turned 40 years old this year, why he doesn't feel like writing songs right now, and what it's like being married to a frontline worker. We started, though, by talking about the last time I saw him in person, just before the pandemic. He kept getting texts about cancelled summer shows. I asked him what that day was like. At that point, we were still sort of being a little naive and thinking, ah, it's not going to be so serious, you know? But you're right. I mean, one of the things I was supposed to be on with Flock Seagulls, because I'm a spoon, but I also play with Flock Seagulls and guitar, was a big 80s cruise, which would have been the worst case scenario to be stuck in the, in the Caribbean with, you know, not, not that I wouldn't want to be with all those 80s bands, but I think it was like 3,500 people on a ship, so it would have been disaster, you know? Oh, yeah, the whole summer is shot. I mean, all the festivals, all the outdoor things. Like that, like I said, music is going to be one of the last things to recover, I think. At least large shows. Yeah, what do you think concerts are going to look like? I mean, will everyone be wearing masks in the audience? And if so, is that weird for you as a, as a performer? Would that be an odd sight to look at? Or will it be the new normal? You know, at this point... We're looking at anything and we would be happy in any shape or form. I even had the idea, and, and since I had the idea, I've seen it happen twice in Europe. I had the idea of doing sort of pop-up drive-in theater type shows right. where people could be in their cars, you know, when they started allowing more than, you know, two or so many people per car. So if people want to self-isolate, I think we may even have to be separated on stage by some six feet. So there may be markings on the stage to tell us you know, where we can go. You know, at this point, we're all so eager to work again that we'll abide by any rules. Well, you have a new record out. And how, it, how insane is that title for this time right now? I know. It, it, it's almost as if you had planned ahead, but this came out just <laughs> as all this was happening. So the record's called New Day, New World, and uh, it certainly is a new world. Um, tell me a little bit about the record. It is uh, a Spoon's record. It sounds like the spoons but it sounds slightly different as well so tell me a little bit about uh the, the sound what fans could expect to hear yeah well i always hope it sounds like the spoons i mean that's mission accomplished but yeah. it can't sound like we're stuck in the 80s that would be terrible right i think it sounds more like a contemporary band that has a little bit of 80s flavor to it and so I mean, people have compared it to all sorts of current things maybe because a lot of new bands have a bit of 80s flavor so it right. goes both ways you know but I think it, this is our 40th anniversary for The Spoons. So it re represents a little bit of everything we've done, from the techno side to the funky side, like the years of Not Rogers, the pop side, the songs like Romantic Traffic, a little bit of everything that we've done really in this one record. So 40 years, I, it, 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 that must blow your mind a little bit. 
Yeah, especially this year when it was going to be the big 40th anniversary. We even had Rob and Derek, the original members, on uh, uh, you know on, on the sides waiting to, to join us on some big shows. Yeah, 40 years is a long time, but it sure doesn't feel that way. I mean, I don't think I've grown up. It has some, <laughs> I'm still that kid who still enjoys music so much that time is kind of a fleeting thing, you know? And you've got the fans that have stayed with you the entire time. I mean, we've talked about this. Uh, the people that loved the, the Spoons in the 80s now have kids who love the Spoons, and yeah. they all come and see you. Isn't that crazy? And I don't think they're forcing them to come see us. <laughs> Again, because, you know what, the people they, they listen to, like Lady Gaga or, you know, The Killers or Interpol or any new artist, really, even the new... Um, Pearl Jam record, how 80s is that? You know, all these drum machines and, and flavors are kind of the norm now. So. And why, why do you think that the, the band, I mean, the songs are great. You have an obvious enthusiasm for the music and, and playing the music. Is that, is that all it takes? Is that what it, just great songs in a, in a lot of fashion? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, I don't know. It's a lot of luck, really, you know, because I know a lot of great performers who don't have that luck. And some people are super successful, and you wonder how they can. <laughs> <That's so lucky. laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's who knows? It's, it's this X factor that, but you're right, if you stick with it long enough, like 40 years, it's bound to come back around again. And I really think the interest in the band now is bigger than in like 15 years. Mm -hmm. And playing with Flock of Seagulls, they've noticed the same thing. Even at that level, they're playing more than they have in decades right now. Yeah. And you played guitar for them as well. Yep. All those, those nifty little echoey riffs, I do those things. Yeah. That's cool, right? That, like, that must feel great. I, you know, I, I've, I've never been on a stage at a big rock show and heard, like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, <laughs> you know, and the response that you get from the audience. Um, what does that feel like? Oh, it's great, of course. And you know what? I'm not tired of it. People think <laughs> you would get jaded after a while. I'm not me. I still get a little bit of, uh, nervous between every show, before every show. And the moment I get up there, you can't get me off. It's like, it's the thing that scares you the most in life, but is the most gratifying at the same time. You're listening to my interview with Gordon Depp, lead singer and guitarist for The Spoons. Check out their new album, New Day, New World, wherever you buy fine music. And the thing with Flock of Seagulls, I mean, Spoons, we do Noble Heart and Romantic Trafficking. It's like, yeah, when you come out and you do Iran, it's like tenfold. It's like, <laughs> you know, we, last year we did places like the Greek Theater, for instance, you know, really iconic places, and they're packed, you know, and, and the reaction those, those songs have is timeless. Now, releasing a record at this point, you could not have foreseen what was going to happen. Uh, but man, you're out there working this record. I mean, and I say out there, you're online working this record. Yeah. You can't get out there. Uh, but I love what you've been doing. You've been making videos uh, and that whole thing. So tell me, because I was very flattered and very happy <laughs> to be in the new video. Yeah. So tell me about the New Day, New World video, where you got the idea from. Well, we, it was actually Peter Sacco, the director, and we've done two other videos with him for first and last time and all the wrong things. And we thought we'd be out of business for a while because of this. We can't go out and make new you know, video. But he had the great idea that we could stay home, just record little things on our iPhones in our backyards or homes. He would fill in the rest with stock footage or stuff that he had filmed because he he comes from the uh, what do you call it um paranormal um tv series world oh, yeah he has a, yeah yeah he had those those ghost hunter shows you know where they yeah. go into the houses and so he has some great footage from that that we used in the first video of course it doesn't apply to what we're going through now so we did a video called 
landing lights about a month ago to honor all the frontline workers. And the reaction was so good. And we were able to do it at home. And skip forward to this one. He said, let's do it again, but get all the people that we know, you know, other musicians, athletes, politicians, everybody right across the board, international and mostly Canadian, and get them involved, holding simple sort of handmade signs at home, kind of reflecting their thoughts or where they are right now. You know, a great one is like Alan Prue says, don't forget me when I'm home. Yeah. Or yeah. Wang Chung, you know, everybody stay home tonight. These all friends, people I've met on tour, we got Flock of Seagulls, obviously Wang Chung went in Rome. Corey Arden is in there, Glass Tiger, James Sibri, and, and people like yourself. Curtis Joseph, you know, yeah. is in there. He has a great spot. So it was a lot of fun just putting these pieces together. Yeah, and the video turned out so well. And I, I just think that the response that I've seen online for it has just been so kind of cool and positive, And that must make you feel good. Yeah, especially, like you say, when you get, you can't really do much and you just do really such a little thing. I mean, Peter didn't put a lot of work into it, but a little effort and you get such a payback with people just saying, you're making us feel better. You know, if we feel like we're part of something, we're going to get through this. Because this video is very hopeful. For the big finale, we're kind of flashes forward to after all this and how we've sort of come through it and hopefully learn something from it. Now, as you were saying, like the title, New Day, New World, is, is so timely for right yeah. now. But of course, it was decided upon well before this was a, a thought oh, yeah. in anyone's head. So tell Over me a year ago. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the writing of the of the songs. Um, was there an effort to be upbeat? Was there an effort to put something very positive into the world? It, it was, even though that track, the, it's the title track, and I never would have thought that was a single because it isn't really necessarily upbeat. It's kind of a slow symphonic. Right. Feel very much like the Ari Ziffany's days that where we started. And I thought, you know, it's a great opener to an album, but it's not really a single. But with this video and the subject matter, it's perfect. It's it's epic, you know, especially at the end when it breaks free. And, yeah. Um, yeah, but overall, we wanted to get back to the, the fun summer years of romantic traffic, Tom O'Lies, all this sort of happy stuff. A um, couple of darker tunes in there, but yeah, it's a very emotional record. And it's our first record in seven years, and it really reflects the life I've lived over seven years. You know, when you, when you make records every year, they kind of skip, you know, one skips into the other one. Right. But here, you, I've lived so much life and experienced so much stuff, there's so much new to write about. Do you think that going through what we're going through right now will affect the songs that you write moving forward? It could, but I'm not writing now. I, that would be, not I'm not gonna say it would be a mistake, but I'm just too freaked out about everything. I can't get creative. That's why it's nice to stay busy with what we have. I don't know what kind of songs I'll be writing right now. It would be like, you know, and be a musical you know, <laughs> about, you know, like it's not a good time to really write songs unless you take the other approach and just go escape, you know, and then just, but I'm, I'm, I can't right now. So I'm sort of a very uh, intuitive writer. I can't, I'm not like a staff writer who sits down every day and writes like a job. I have to have the, the right zone to be in, you know, as a writer, you know that you get in the zone where these just flow without much effort. I'm not getting that now. It's just uh, it's there's a big damper on the whole thing. It's, it's kind of a precious way to write, you know, like when I feel like it, but it works for me. It kind of comes from somewhere else. Now, uh, what are you doing then during the day? So when you're not making videos, I see a bunch of guitars behind you. Well, I play. Oh my god, my guitars are getting. I I, I rotate through them. I, I I fiddle with them. I change parts on them. You know, I do get out. We have dogs to walk and and. My wife, Megan, is a pharmacist, so I, I take her sometimes and get out and see the world a little bit and then go home and 
Uh, those, we, we're being very um, law-abiding through this whole thing, you know, very careful. I'm, you know, I would so love to get together with the band, just sneak in a rehearsal even. Right. And we tried to do it over Zoom, but there's too much of a, there's a delay. Uh, delay, right? So, um, yeah, it's hard not to, you know. Uh, the neighbors are trying to talk me into doing a little concert by myself on the front steps, you know, for the neighborhood. I may, I may do that. So, yeah. <laughs> now, I, I know that your wife, Megan, is a pharmacist. How's she doing? Is she going to work every day? Uh, has, has it changed for her? What are the yes. protocols? Does she wash her hands more than any other human? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's really affecting her emotionally. And, and like I said to her, I would like to just, you know, lock her at home, not let her go to work, you know, but she's not like that. She has to go. She wants to be there, but it really is taking its effect. It's not only that she have to go, she has to put on a brave face, like everything is okay, you know, be careful, but you know, what would be fun, which probably will be. Yeah, it's, it's tough on her. And, and, um, that, in, in that case, I wish she was a musician like me and we could stay home, write songs together. That's but, right. That's but right. Very proud of her. You're listening to my conversation with Gordon Depp, lead singer, guitarist, and songwriter for The Spoons. Yeah, it's it, it's a tough thing. And I, I think it's one of those uh, situations where um, you have a, a newfound appreciation for the work that these frontline workers are doing and that they're going in every day and that mm -hmm. they're... Uh, it, pushed into situations that we never thought we'd be in, uh, it really does give you a whole new appreciation for the people that we see every day in our regular lives often, and maybe don't think about as much as we should. And, and, and not only the people like the pharmacists and the frontline workers, but people who are at the front lines, like in grocery stores, and, and, and kids are making minimum wage, you know, and they're putting their lives on the line for almost nothing, you know, and that, that really... Mm -hmm. you know makes you think too that's 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 a tough one to to watch um, yeah there's a lot of people out there you know i'm sure their parents or their husbands or wives wish they were home through this i think i told you this story so i was at the i think it was the you know awards many years ago yeah yeah and, and you guys won everything smooth won everything really and, okay and and the people uh, backstage, I think there might have been some friends and family there, but it was a, there was a dinner area, and every time you would win, they'd take their spoons and bang them together. As, instead of applauding, they'd bang the spoons together, and I love that. I love that so much. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that, because I was talking about the the drive-in shows that we're going to do one in Canada once it opens up. I was watching the footage from Europe. Same thing. Instead of people applauding at these concerts, they were honking their horns, and and, and their winter wipers are going like this. So whether it's, you know, banging spoons or honking, yeah, you do what you can. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, one last thing. Do you have any hand-washing tips for anybody? Do you do it differently than anybody else? <laughs> do you sing Nova Heart? You know, you Somebody's know. posted that. Somebody has posted that. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, washing your hands to Nova Heart and all the steps. They've done that with a few songs, I think. Oh, I'm a, I'm a good hand-washer anyway, you know. I'm... As a singer, you know, you got to protect your, your vocal cords. So I'm always super, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, obsessive about it, but close, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the main thing is get the fingertips. That's right. And the palms. Yeah. And in the, between the fingers. Well, in the thumbs. just like that and you're done. And the thumbs, apparently. A lot of thumbs. people wash their hands like that and they don't wash their thumbs. Good point. This is what I'm learning during this time of isolation. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very educational. <laughs> Gordon, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself.
You too. Well, that was my interview with Gordon Depp, lead singer, guitarist, and songwriter for The Spoons, the band's new album celebrating 40 years together. It's called New Day, New World, was released just before the lockdown, but that hasn't stopped the band from getting the music out there via some really cool and inventive videos. Find the album wherever you legally download and buy music. Really pleased to introduce my next guest, who doesn't love Debbie Travis? The TV host, author, designer, she's now an olive oil farmer because she runs a retreat in Tuscany that she bought a few years ago. It's closed at the moment, but I'm sure will reopen better than ever after the pandemic is over. I spoke with her via Zoom from her home in London where she described what's happening in her neighborhood, why she left her retreat in Tuscany when the pandemic started, and why this may be the perfect time to reinvent your life, which just happens to be the subject of her best-selling book, Design Your Next Chapter. Here's Debbie Travis on the Zoom from London. Okay, so I'm in London in the UK. I'm in, um, I have a, uh, a house here, which I've had for a long time. And um, I was in Italy until the, uh, God, I just can't remember anything anymore. I guess until the end of February. And when the lockdown was really kind of looming there, you know, when they were getting really, um, it, it, because it was the first country, wasn't it, after China. Um, I decided if I was going to get sick, I didn't want to do it in Italy because of the language problems, because my Italian is atrocious. <laughs> and um, so I got one of the last flights out and I got to London. My husband was in Canada. And so we had to make a decision. Do we not see each other for a while? Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was a good thing. Uh, or does he fly back? Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> Maybe changing my mind on that decision, but um, so he came back. So we are together here. Kids are all over the place, but um, so I'm in London. Yeah. And are you finding when you look out that window that I see behind you uh, in London, we know that uh, London has been particularly hard hit by this. Do you see people wearing face masks? Are they socially distancing? Are people following the rules to your estimation? You know, it's, I think it's like everywhere, you know, we're human beings. And I think the most remarkable thing that's happened is how similar we all are. First of all, um, the weather here has been extraordinarily and unusually good. So we've had the hottest April and now into May, I think on record, which sounds great, but not when you can't go outside. So what happens is the first thing they did was they locked all the parks because everybody was like, you know, to hell with this, let's just go and have a picnic. Um, but we have a lot of green space. England or London has, I think, the largest green space of most cities. So we have what's called commons, and commons were originally common land for the common people. And in my area, which is southwest London, there's a lot of these commons. And of course, they can't lock those. They're not parks. So people are out. And I have to say, no, they're not. <laughs> I wear a mask um, religiously, and um, people aren't. You know, I think it, unless they make it actually a law, um, they won't. There's a lot of people out with strollers, with their kids. Um, there's a lot of uh, joggers. Suddenly everybody's a jogger. What is all this about? There's more joggers than normal. Um, and biking. And so, of course, we have what we call Boris bikes here, which are on virtually every street. So you can just pick them up. So everybody's on bikes. Um, there's not much traffic, which is 
which is good. And the, what is really remarkable is the skies look like the Caribbean. I mean, it's like, you know, London has used to have a lot of pollution and even in the last 20 years, we still have it. And so the skies are this beautiful, beautiful ultramarine blue with no planes in them. And uh, people are loving that. It's interesting because I think that is a story that I'm hearing worldwide, wherever I am, when I'm talking to people, wherever they are, they're telling me the same thing. You can see the mountains for the first time. Uh, and yeah. everyone comments on the joggers. And I've noticed it here in Toronto as well. All of a sudden, everyone's jogging. Everybody's jogging. But the thing is about joggers is they jog, they're in their own world, right? So they jog like right down the middle of the pavement. And uh, some of these, you know, you've got, if you're on a bridge or something, what, you're gonna jump into the water. Um, and they don't move. And then they spray all over you. And so there's a lot of blue language going on, usually yeah. from me. Um, but yeah, they, they, don't, they seem oblivious of everybody. But the funny thing you say about, you know, everybody's a jogger, a funny story, I don't know if it got picked up with the Canadian press, but in Italy, where they'd be much stricter, mm -hmm. where you can only go out to buy food or to walk your dog. So there was a wonderful news item about a cop. This policeman keeps seeing this dog every day. And by the end of the day, it's being dragged on, you know, like stomach on the ground type of thing. And he realized it was being passed in an apartment building <laughs> to every tenant, you know, so every flat was outside. like, so the dog was walking like 24 hours a day. So it's quite funny. So, but the Italians have opened up now and we're all, the whole world is watching to see how that goes. But only they're taking it, they've been hurt so badly. So they are, they've been very good with the rules, um, I have to say. So at our place in Tuscany, we've actually moved our, our small staff and their families into our house two months ago. So at least their children can run around the land and everything rather than be really cooped up in a small apartment. So that's kind of my good deed. Um, so I'm cooped up here and they all, all have the lovely land and fresh vegetables from the garden. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, no winners in any of this. Well, maybe a little bit, maybe some silver linings. You're listening to my interview with Debbie Travis, author of Design Your Next Chapter. Well, I think that we're sort of looking for silver linings where we can find them. And that's where I think your book about realizing dreams and reinventing your life, uh, it could come in handy here during this time because I think a lot of us have a lot of time where we're sitting back and we're wondering what's next and what's yeah. next maybe for employment, what's next, but maybe also what's next that I've always wanted to do and never found the courage to do. Maybe now is the time to do it. I know, it's like we're all dreaming of travel and far off places. What we, what we have done is we've been gifted time, which is the one thing we're always short of. We're always rushing, you know, there's always a routine, go to the office, come back, go to the gym, make the dinner, go to the supermarket, you know, get the kids to bed, whatever your routine is. And so it's a kind of luxury to, for most people to say, you know, I have this dream, I've always wanted to do this. Now, of course, we're way into this and uh, you can only watch so much uh, television. And, and, and I think it is an opportunity. The book came out um, when she kindly interviewed me last year and, you know, was, uh, became a bestseller. And, and, and it's, you know, it, it is about designing your next chapter. But now the paperback has just come out and it's, uh, 
it, it's getting a, a kind of a, a real, completely different way of looking at it. And people who read the hardback are now writing in saying, you know what, I'm rereading because um, now I've got the time and I'm, I'm really taking this seriously now. And there's a lot of stories here on the news of how we will change. Mm -hmm. We know that offices will probably change forever to where we don't have to go in five days a week. Um, where meetings, it'll all be about the meeting. And we do know, you know, the one thing we know is we are social breeds. We are craving just sitting with a friend in a pub, you know. Um, and so we, we know what we really want now. We know what we miss. But I've talked to a lot of young parents who, who say, you know, I'm getting to know my children, which I didn't before. I, I, you know, I, I was rushing from work to, to home to all this kind of stuff. And now we're getting to talk. And um, so I think people will start readjusting. And, and you know, the other thing is we're not shopping as much. Um, I haven't bought any clothes. I know you can buy them online and things, but you kind of think, what's the point? You know, spring's going to be over. Do I need anything? I'm not, I've got nowhere to go. So yes, that's really bad for, for, for retail companies, but at the same time, we're readjusting what we need. And, and I think it is a good time to kind of really get that dream from the corner of your brain and say, you know, I always wanted to own my own little coffee shop. I always wanted to write, or I'd like to be an actual yoga teacher and not just go to somebody else's class. And now you're starting to say, okay, so how do I do this? So, you know, that's really, and the book is a kind of, it's a workbook. So you can write in it. There are places to kind of uh, assess where you are at the moment. And I think anybody who wrote in it a year ago is probably going, hang on a minute. I'm in a different place than I was last year. And, and hopefully the tools that will help you Get on to your next chapter. I started here by asking her if her personal mantra of dream it, do it, and live it is more important now than ever. This is what she had to say. I think it's more important. Um, you know, we all have a dream. There isn't anybody in the world who hasn't said what if. You know, you go on holiday to, I don't know, an island somewhere and you go, what if I never went back? Or you go to your cottage. How many people say it that in their cottages in the summer? What if I stayed here? I, I'm just so happy in this, you know, on this lake. Is there any way I could live here? Or, you know, so we all say what if. But as I said, it gets locked into uh, the frenzy of every day and, and you never release it. And sometimes the dream changes. It changes from your 20s to your 30s, from your 30s to your 40s. Um, but the, the do it part is the work. The do it is the bulk of really what this book is about. How do I make the leap from, um, from having this idea in my head to actually making it happen? And then the live it part is actually very interesting because that's the consequences. You know, do you go home to your mom with your tail between your legs going, I've ruined everything, you know? I'm living <laughs> in a box with my family on the street. And, and I, what's been very interesting, I, I interviewed many, many, many people for this book and not one of them, people who had uh, risen to the challenge, people who had followed through and nobody said, I should never have done it. But they all said, it was never what I expected, all of them, including myself, you know, because I, I use my 
story of making this leap from the television business, which I was in for 25 years as a producer and a host and everything else I did, to having this, you know, I had this dream in my head for years. I would like to live in Tuscany. I mean, it was just there always. In every meeting I was like, maybe I'll have olive trees. Maybe I'll have the, you know, it was a constant, got me through the day type of thing. And then, you know, something happened and I said, right, that's it. I'm gonna make that leap. And, um, but it takes a lot of courage. So I used, uh, you know, my blueprint to kind of help people and then other people's, I I tell a lot of other people's stories. How do you think that we find inspiration during a pandemic? We're at home, we're alone with our thoughts, that's one thing, but there's a, there's a, a, a difference between just being alone with your thoughts and feeling anxiety and being alone with your thoughts. How do you suggest we find inspiration these days? Well, I think a lot of people are talking about, yes, anxiety has gone up, but it's also because we have no control. Mm-hmm. So you know, we can't control the situation. We can help, we can do the best we can, but we cannot control it. You know, what's gonna happen is gonna be happen. We just have to follow the rules. And um, so anxiety is always there, but you know, all the meditation's really hot now and and mindfulness and all that kind of stuff. And, And it is, I mean, it's very hard to say, oh, I'm gonna do a 10 minutes, you know, mindfulness class online when you've got the kids screaming downstairs and, and you've got to make dinner and you've got to go here and there. Now you've got the whole day and, and you can divide your day up into a different type of routine and we can be quiet. And that quietness is very, very important. In fact, we've been doing a, um, a live Instagram every Sunday with our team from our retreats in, in Italy um, have been coming on, talking to people on you know your optimum health mentally and physically on how to get through this because it's a different type of anxiety that none of us have had before. And of course there are people worried about money and work and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think there's other, we've been offered and gifted other things, even if it's our neighbors, you know, in England, I'm sure they're doing it where you are, but um, every Thursday, everybody comes out and bangs and claps. Yeah. And, but now what's happened is, Everybody comes outside, grabs a bottle of wine, and talks to neighbors. I mean, this is London, a major, major city of, what, 12, 13 million people. I didn't know anybody on my streets. Now I know everyone. And everybody's chatting, and they pull out uh, those kind of fold-up chairs that you use when you're fishing. (laughs) And they're all sitting outside each other's front doors with their beer and stuff. You know, you take the pub away from Brits, and they... (laughs) (laughs) they'll find a solution um but but it's also there's a great warmth and nobody really cares you know it's like people have got their pajamas on their hair looks like rubbish (laughs) and what i've enjoyed the most is watching colleagues of mine and uh even, you know, people I don't know, newsreaders and stuff, you know, I can see their roots. I can see when they've done it themselves. They're doing their own makeup. And actually, I don't think anybody cares. You know, it's like, you know what? This is what it is. And, and that's a beautiful release for many of us just to say, you know what? This is me. This is me. I'm standing in the street in my pajamas. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I was having a drink with a couple of neighbors the other night and we're all, you know, we're across the street from each other and we've all got a thing and then uh, somebody walks past and goes 
are you Debbie Travis? Oh my God, I just moved from Canada six months ago. And, you know, and, and she looked at me like, Ooh. <laughs> you know, dirty old pajamas. <laughs> You're listening to my interview with Design Your Next Chapter author, Debbie Travis. What I have found that's been interesting is we are practicing social distancing. So we're walking down the street. If you see someone coming, you do a little sidewalk shuffle and you try and yeah, get out of their shuffle. way and that kind of thing. But even though we're socially distancing, we're nodding at one another, we're saying a few words, isn't this weird? What a strange situation to be in. We're actually acknowledging people, I think, more than we usually do. Normally, you know, you walk down the street, someone's got a cell phone in their hand and you don't pay attention at all. So I think that we're distancing, but we're kind of distancing socially which is the opposite thing. I think we are, we are acknowledging that this is an odd time, but we are all in this together. And I'm making eye contact with people and nodding and saying hello uh, just from six feet away. Yeah, and because I think we all feel, we're all the same. It's a, it's a leveler, this thing. Um, we feel vulnerable um, and we do feel sad and emotional. And, you know, like there are people my age whose kids aren't with them. Um, who normally would be coming for holidays or, or you know, just turning up and stuff like that. Um, and thankfully, and I'm, I'm the biggest moaner of social media of anybody. You know, I, I go ballistic in restaurants when whole families are on their phone. You know, thank goodness for it because it's been a life changer. We, we do all these, I don't know, Zooms and apps and just everything. And we're talking nearly every day and i have one child in in africa who's a humanitarian and when he you know and he's got fairly good wi-fi and uh, we do quiz nights together i've got one in toronto um and we all just get together and, and and we talk and i'm finding instead of you know my kids always call to say <laughs> money can I have some money mum or what's for dinner or you know it's either food or money anyway um but I'm finding now that I'm actually talking to them we're talking about their careers their jobs we're, we're talking at a different level because they're not rushing off all the time and I'm not rushing off all the time and we've got time and and I've re I'm sure everybody has I've renewed friendships from around the world it, it's been it's been ballistic. It just, people I went to school with when I was five, you know, saying, hey, you fancy a chat? Yeah, because everybody knows you, if you say no, you've got nothing else to do. Um, and, and I've loved that, you know, just curled up. I think the phone has come back. Mm -hmm. It's back in fashion. The other thing that I think has come back, which is amazing, is the cocktail. Because, uh, you know, what did you normally do? You run in, you know, I'd have opened the screw top wine before I even took my coat off. Now it's like we're back to the graduates in the 60s. You know, let's, uh, you know, let's make a cocktail. Let's take our time. Let's enjoy it. Who made cocktails normally, you know? And now, except at the weekend or at a party. But now we're, we're, we, look, we look forward to the end of the day of uh, just have, making a drink together and, and sitting talking. And, and I, to me, that's been a big thing. I'm actually quite nervous about going back it's, when it's all it's like the stock, yeah stockholm syndrome you know i'm kind of comfy in my walls you know i know how far i can go well uh two things about that i've learned how to make the world's greatest bloody mary so uh, that, that's come out of this and i know it seems simple 
but it has to be perfect. I've learned, uh, I've, I've, I've got that down. I also make a mean Negroni if we're talking about uh, uh, cocktails. So those things, but I agree with you. I think once this is all over, people here have been saying, oh, well, there will be a new normal. Everything will be different. And I'm not sure that that's true. I think that people will fall back into old habits relatively quickly. Now, we may be wearing masks when we do some of those things that we used to do, go to concerts or, or whatever. It might be a little different, but I still think people will fall in. And I don't think we'll be having our weekly Zoom calls anymore. And I don't think that we'll be as uh, connected because we'll get busy again. I think that's right. But I think, again, if there's a new busy and maybe we'll remember the good, the good side of these times. And I really don't think people are just, I don't think the doors are going to open and we're all going to go running into the street going, yeah, you know, first of all, we all, we all look terrible. So we're all going to have to brush our hair. Um, but maybe we have changed a little bit. I, I do think um, we've got more of an understanding of the rest of the world. Um, you know, we, we're getting more global news and we're interested. We have to be interested, you know, how are they handling this? What did they do wrong? What did they do right? And this is going to be the, the new normal in the next three months because the threat of this being a constant thing, keep coming back, is what I think is the most. I mean, nobody cares three months being inside, but what we really care about is we don't want this to be happening again next year. Well, that was my interview with TV host, author, designer, olive oil farmer, and great conversationalist, Debbie Travis. My thanks to Debbie for spending some time on Zoom with me. Most of all, though, my thanks to you for tuning in. I hope you're staying happy, healthy, and I hope you're staying home. I'm Richard Krause, and we'll talk to you again next time.